This is a special Christmas edition of the Sound and Vision podcast. Hello, I am Emily Fox. On the show today, we'll talk about the best cover songs for the little drummer boy and hear how some of the most popular Christmas songs were actually written by Jewish composers, including the song White Christmas. This is the number one selling song of all time, and it's the first time a secular Christmas song was a hit written by a Jewish-American songwriter in Irving, Berlin. But first, we're going to talk about non-traditional Christmas tunes with KEXP's Brian Foss. Brian Foss will be playing tons of non-traditional Christmas songs on KEXP on Christmas Day from noon to 6 p.m. He joins me now to talk about some more obscure Christmas songs you might not know about. Hi, Brian. Hello, Emily. Thanks for having me on. Let's jump into the music. Let's. You have four songs you want to talk about, non-traditional Christmas songs. What's the first one you want to talk about? Well, the first Christmas album or Christmas record I ever bought was the Spinal Tap 7-inch of Christmas with the Devil. So Spinal Tap, of course, is a great uh, mockumentary. It came out uh, in like the early 80s. I lived in Alaska then. I went to high school in Alaska. And in the wintertime in Alaska, uh, if you're not really into outdoor stuff, I wasn't a hunter or any of that kind of stuff. You kind of have to do things indoors. So me and my buddies, we, I, I worked at a video store, but this was my first job when I was in high school. I used to watch Spinal Tap over and over again. One year on Saturday Night Live, the members of Spinal Tap came on and did a Christmas song, Christmas with the Devil. I'm like, oh, that I just I thought it was funny. It was hilarious. I'd never really heard anybody do. Uh, I mean, there, my, my my father collected novelty records, so I'd heard a few novelty Christmas songs here and there. But to hear loud guitars and and uh, it, it, it cracked me up, and then I found out that there was a seven inch, there's a picture disc of it. So I went and bought it, Spinal Tap Christmas, and it was just like, it was. I thought it was the funniest thing in the world. It's such a such a silly song. It's completely tongue in cheek. I mean, I, I, anyway, yeah. So that was the first Christmas. I, I still own the the picture disc. Man, that's good. Disc. You don't expect yeah. it. You don't expect it. Christmas with the devil. Yeah, yeah that's good. It, it was. Yeah, it's the the funny thing is, is when they played on Saturday Night Live, they had a giant uh, a skull sort of a, a prop, and then they played Bumper Shoot in Seattle one year, and it was the last time. Is in the early eighties. Maybe late mid eighties, uh, so they played Bumper Shoot, and then when they left, they just left the skull here. And Soundgarden played Bumper Shoot the same year, early Soundgarden thing, and they took the skull and they Soundgarden had it for a while. So there's you know Northwest connection there. So there's still stories every once in a while. I guess it like because like kind of paper mache, so it did get kind of destroyed by the late nineties, but. <laughs> I just, yeah. Spinal Tap, Christmas of the Devil. Great song. All right. Let's talk about another great non-traditional Christmas song. So I didn't move to Seattle until 1988. And when I moved here, I had never heard of the Sonics before until I moved here. Uh, but people kept talking about them. I finally got a compilation of a bunch of their stuff. And we're not talking about the, the basketball not team. Not the basketball team. Actually, the basketball team had to, uh, the Sonics, the band from Tacoma, Washington, they actually uh, licensed their name to the basketball team what? because they had it first. Yeah. <laughs> That's so, cool. So, uh, Anyway, but the Sonics are a classic Northwest band. Um, they put out; uh, they were part of a, of a compilation of Northwest bands, including the Whalers, that did all Christmas songs. And their song, 
Don't believe in Christmas. When I got this, I'm like, I just, I just fell in love with this song. It's, it's kind of based on a Chuck Berry riff, which what isn't. Um, but the lyrics are funny. It's once again kind of snotty and up tempo. It's, I think it's one of the best songs ever. I mean, yeah, that's got like a retro vibe to it. Oh, yeah, well, it was, I think it was recorded in 64. It was 64. Yeah, 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 yeah early stuff. But yeah, that, uh, so anyway, when, when Pete left and... Um, and I started to, okay, well, it, like, I took it as a challenge. So what am I going to do on Sonic Reducer for Christmas? Um, well, let's try to find other songs. And there's there's some obvious ones, but I wound, up, I wound up digging up a bunch more stuff. But as I was digging stuff up, I also found non-punk rock songs. So I started collecting other stuff just because I thought it was funny or entertaining or it, it sort of spoke to me. And then I got to fill in uh, maybe 10, 8 years ago on Christmas Day. They needed, KXP needed to fill in. So I I, uh, I filled it in, and one of the songs that I played on the the first time I came in um, is it is one of my favorite songs now, really of all time. It's a soul song. Uh, you, I first heard it on the John Waters Christmas album. It is by Akeem and Teddy Van. Uh, it's uh, basically uh, Teddy Van did a bunch of recordings himself, but he had his young daughter Akeem on the sh- song as well. It's called Santa Claus is a Black Man, and the song is kind of funny, but it's also very endearing. I I am I'm not a big fan of super sincere songs. I just it's if if you get too sincere, you kind of get too saccharine. Eh. But I love soul and R and B tracks, and I love Christmas songs that are soul and R and B. And this is about this is a song about representation about little Akeem seeing her dad dressed up as Santa Claus. Santa Claus is a black man. I love this song. It's just it speaks to me. If, if you like soul and R&B Christmas songs, uh, Tramp Records puts out a series of compilations of stuff from the 60s and 70s, obscure, weirdo uh, Christmas songs that are just wonderful. Just It, it just it just warms my little heart. <laughs> and that one was super cute. I mean, you just have this daughter singing and, you know, it's not like super, you know, she just sounds like a kid singing without all this flourish and whatever. And yeah, it's a nice song. The song itself is good. I mean, the one thing with Christmas songs is people like to throw jingle bells and everything. That's okay. You got to accept if you hate jingle bells, you're probably going to hate Christmas songs no matter what. But the music in this song is great. Um, also, there's a film called Jingle Bell Rocks where they actually interview Akeem and talk about the history of the song. And uh, and Akeem, is, that's the daughter? She's a daughter, yeah. yeah. And uh, uh, yeah, it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's good stuff, and, and like I said, I just I, I I'm always looking for more soul and R and B Christmas songs. Uh, Tramp Records put out these three CDs that compiled a bunch of them. They're just amazing stuff. Yeah, that's awesome. And we have one last kicker song. For you yeah, to talk about. I'm always looking for new stuff. Uh, I'm doing uh, this year on KXP. I'm doing a Music That Matters podcast with 13 new songs. I'm also doing the Song of the Day podcast during the week of Christmas. 
with five tracks that are a mix of punk and soul and R&B, including the wonderful Kimchi for Christmas by Champagne <laughs> Honeybee. That song is so wonderful. Uh, Kimchi for Christmas. It's wonderful. Uh, but that will be available as a podcast song of the day on the week of Christmas. Uh, but I just found out that Little John... Uh, put out a Christmas song last year, December 2018. I didn't, I, I just, the, the thing with Christmas songs is you, you, ne- you just never know where you're going to stumble across them. But he literally does a track with the Kool-Aid Man. And, and the Kool-Aid Man is not uh, a, a fake name for somebody else. It's literally the giant glass of that sugar. and The and, 1990s commercials where he busts through the door and says, oh, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> it is hilarious. It's, it's, it's my new favorite Christmas song from like this yesterday. Everybody in here, VIP. Old Saint Nick, that's AMC. Gotta see you turn down some old CDs. Playing all your favorite songs from A to Z. Felice Navidad, no eggnog. More Kool Aid. Oh yeah. Yeah. All I really want, really want for Christmas. All I really want, really want for Christmas. He's literally talking about no eggnog Kool Aid. You know? It's like, why not? It doesn't make any sense. It's just having fun. And you know, at the beginning of the video, Kool-Aid Man busts through his, oh his, yeah. his living room and says, oh, yeah. The best Christmas songs really aren't anything about Christmas. It's just a fun song that happens to include Christmas themes in it. So, Brian Foss, do you, I mean, before you started DJing and doing all this stuff, I mean, are you a fan of Christmas? I didn't hate it, but no, I'm not a holiday guy normally. I got to say, as a kid, I like Christmas, of course, because I'm a kid and I'm getting presents. But my birthday is in December, so Christmas is always kind of like, oh, well, we can't really get, you know, they had to, my parents would separate, like, well, here's for your birthday and here's for Christmas. So as a kid, I like, you know, I want the superhero doll. It's like, well, you can't, you know, you can't get all that stuff. So, but it, but it was, I didn't hate it. I didn't love it too much. It just was a holiday. Uh, then as I got older, uh, living on my own, I, I remember the first time my, my, my sister and I, we uh, we sort of had a falling out, but then we became friends again. And then at one point, we were living in Seattle. We became roommates. And we actually had Christmas for a couple of times, which was a lot of fun. And that sort of re—Christmas is fine. I mean, uh, I, I think the worst things about Christmas, every complaint people have about Christmas, I totally understand it. The commercialization, the overplaying of certain things, the the just saccharineness of it all, The you know— it is what you it is what you make it. Yeah. And if you want to have a good time, if you want to if you want to make it your own, I think that uh, I think you can do that. And that's what I kind of think that I've been trying to do. Yeah. And you can have a good time with Brian Foss on Christmas Day. He is DJing from noon until six p.m. You can also check him out on the Music That Matters podcast as well as the Song of the Day podcast. All right, Brian Foss, thank you so much for sharing your non traditional Christmas music and uh, Merry Christmas. Thank you, Emily. All right. Uh, wait, wait a second. Oh, and why is it so dark in the studio today? I don't know, man. It's it's totally annoying. I guess the engineering guys are saying it's something to do with the power systems for the lights. Mm. Whatever. But okay. look, look, anyhow, uh, check this out right here. I have right here in my hand uh, a original copy of the song Little Drummer Boy, one of the first ever recordings. This is uh, put on birch bark. Uh, and kind of a parchment paper mix. That's how I used to record things, like in the '40s and stuff. And the sound is—I'm not kidding you—it's—it's it's incredible. And this thing—it's only been played two or three times. I got this from the Museum of Pop History and Industry out of Tacoma. I was going to say that belongs in a museum, but yeah. I can't. Wait, hold on—I can't see it very well. Wait, wait—is that a lighter? <gasps> oh, oh, oh no! Oh, I didn't mean. Oh no! Troy, that was an artifact. It's gone. Let's not tell anybody. The time 
times are tough now, they're just getting tougher. The world is up and there's nothing in there to cover me. Come on, Joy Nelson. Come on, baby, cover me. Cause I'm looking for Troy Nelson to find covers for KEXP. Yeah. Wait, am I going first or you going first? I'm going first. Oh, you're going first. All right, my name's Troy my Nelson. My name's Troy Nelson. <laughs> ah, I'm a, no, you are not. No, you are. I am. I'm Troy Nelson. And I'm Owen Murphy. And this is Cover Me. This is Cover Me, another edition where we talk about our current favorite cover song. Man, are the folks at the Museum of History and Pop and Industry that I made up in Tacoma going to be mad about that parchment paper record that we burned. I can't believe that just happened. It just happened and you know, we made it up. And it was the original Little Drummer Boy recording, the very first one, and that is the song we're talking about today. Now, I know a lot of people don't love a lot of holiday music, and Little Drummer Boy isn't the most loved holiday song, but there is a band out there that I feel did it as well as you possibly could, and that is the Dandy Warhols covering Little Drummer Boy. So what you're saying is we're going to take a song that uh, not very many people like and have a band uh, that we love cover it, and hopefully that will then be something we enjoy to listen to. To me, now it should be considered the standard Little Drummer Boy. They make it shoegazy, it's distorted. So, so no one else has to ever cover this song again. Exactly, and this, why, why would you? This is it, the final version. <laughs> ever. So, Troy, uh, that is a portion of, of course, the Danny Warhols doing Little Drummer Boy. Now, why do you like this song so much? I think it's because I am one of those people that don't like a lot of holiday music. It's just so cheesy, and it drives <laughs> me crazy, and it just sounds like it belongs in a mall, and even when it's in a mall, it's terrible. And when I saw the Dandy Warhols recovering, I'm like, ah, this can't go well. And listening to it and how they made it extremely listenable. In fact, I like it a lot. Uh, is is a tough feat, at least in my mind. So I just love that they had their Danny Warhol sound and the very distorted wall of sound, shoegaze. I, I think it's the best you could possibly do with Little Drummer Boy. All right, so my favorite version of Little Drummer Boy kind of isn't one. It's a classic one. Everyone knows it. It's the Bing Crosby uh, David Bowie one from a Bing Crosby Christmas special that aired in 1977, about six weeks before uh, the famous crooner passed away. And I like everything about this. It's funny, we talk about songs maybe that people don't like for the holidays. Uh, I'm not a huge fan of Little Drummer Boy, but I love this version of it. And why do I love this version of it? Because Bowie also didn't like Little Drummer Boy. And so he said, instead of singing Little Drummer Boy, that crummy song, he said, I'm paraphrasing here. He said, can I sing a piece on earth? And they mashed together in about an hour of um, you know preliminary working on this stuff together, Bowie and, and Bing Crosby did a mashup of this, what's called a duet, I guess. What do you call these things? A machette? A machette. It's a machette, a machete. <laughs> yeah, it's a machete. They, they macheted this song and made something that I think is really touching and beautiful and warm and great. Uh, and so from our family here at KXB to yours, I'm Owen Murphy. And I'm Troy Nelson. And this has been another edition of Cover Me right here on KEXP. Our finest gifts we bring, pa pum Rumpa-bum-bum, rumpa-bum-bum.
This is Sound and Vision on KEXP. I'm Emily Fox. Many of the most popular Christmas songs were written by those who don't even celebrate the holiday. They were written by Jewish composers. That includes Silver Bells. Silver Bells. It's the most wonderful time of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. The Christmas song. Chestnuts roasting on an open fire. And much, much more. Music publishing veteran and occasional sound and vision contributor Matt Jasper joins us now to talk about why so many Christmas songs were written by Jewish composers. He'll also give the history behind three of those Christmas tunes. So the three songs include uh, the number one and two best-selling songs of all time, White Christmas by Irving Berlin. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, uh, which is by Johnny Marks and Robert L. May. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer had a very shiny nose. And if you ever saw it, you would even say it glows. And then Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow by Sammy Kahn and Jules Stein. Oh, the weather outside is frightful, but the fire is so delightful. And since we've no place to go, let it snow, let it snow, let it snow. So tell me the background. Let's start with Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer. What's the story behind this song? So the story behind Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer is that there was a New York suburban Jew named Robert May who came from the the outskirts of New York City, and his family had some wealth, but then they lost it all in the Great Depression in, you know, 1929. So he headed out west to Chicago, where he began working for the corporate headquarters of the big department store in the area, uh, Montgomery Ward. So Montgomery Ward had done a custom of giving away coloring books uh, every year around Christmas time to go along with the presents, but they wanted to save a little bit of money. So they said, how can we get this made in-house? We haven't done coloring books before. So um, Robert May was the guy that was assigned to write a coloring book for 1939. So uh, at the time, he and his wife and his kids were in Chicago after being in New York, and he was looking for inspiration. So he takes his daughter to the Chicago Zoo, where she gets fascinated by the deer in the Chicago Zoo, and he starts writing a poem about the reindeer that drives Santa's sleigh. And that's kind of how Rudolph got formed. Now, The book comes out in October of 1939, and it's, as expected, a big hit because there's a major retailer distributing this coloring book. So it's the hit of 1939 and takes about six or seven years, and someone reaches out to the writer, May, about 
recording a spoken word recording of Rudolph. So he needs to get permission from his boss at Montgomery Ward. So he takes the time to basically work up the corporate ladder. So the president signs off and says, yeah, we're not really doing anything with Rudolph anymore. Have at it. Go record this spoken word. The The poem is yours to do with what you wish. So they record a spoken word album, and it's a hit. And in the meantime, he then says, okay, well, I have this poem. It's a hit. He gives it to his brother-in-law, who he knows is a composer, to compose the the music for this. So in 1949, his brother-in-law, John David Marks, or Johnny Marks, records this, and he pitches it to Bing Crosby, who's like the number one singer of the time. He passes. He's like, I already got a hit in White Christmas. I'm good for that one Christmas song. So then he pitches it to Gene Autry, who is at the time known for being the singing cowboy in a bunch of westerns. And he picks it up, he records it, and releases it in 1949, and it's a huge hit. And it keeps on selling because there's already been a brand built around Rudolph for the past decade, starting with this coloring book and then the spoken word album and then this this recording. But Johnny Marks doesn't stop there. Because of the success of Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer in 1949, he then starts his own music publishing company called St. Nicholas Music and goes into the business of manufacturing Christmas songs for the next 20 to 30 years. So, in And Johnny 19- Marks is Jewish. Johnny Marks is a Jewish guy from, from Westchester, from the suburbs of New York City, who just basically gets handed Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer as a somewhat guaranteed hit and then says, you know, I'm going to create the genre of Christmas music as it stands today and write, you know, 20-something different Christmas hits. So between 1949 and 1964, he writes, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, I Don't Want a Lot for Christmas, The Night Before Christmas Song, and Old Fashioned Christmas. I Heard the Bells on Christmas Day, which is an adaptation. He does Run, Rudolph, Run. He does Rock Around the Christmas Tree, A Merry, Merry Christmas to You. And then NBC turns Rudolph into an animated TV production, which... The Claymation version? The Claymation version, which everybody grew up watching in December. So in that movie, he writes... All of the songs for it, including A Holly Jolly Christmas, Jingle, 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 The Most Wonderful Day of the Year, Silver and Gold, We Are Santa's Elves, There's Always Tomorrow, The Island of Misfit Toys, and We're a Couple of Misfits. So all of those Christmas songs is written by Johnny Marks because of the inspiration that Rudolph gave him and the success that it gave him. I'm talking with Matt Jasper about Christmas songs that were actually written by Jewish composers. So two more that are on this list um, out of many, many, many is White Christmas and Let It Snow. What's the backstory here? So White Christmas is written by Irving Berlin in 1940 and kind of becomes a hit in 1941, 1942. Um, And Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow was written by two Jewish composers, uh, Sammy Kahn, who was a part of the Rat Pack, and Jules Stein um, in 1945. Both of these songs were written by 
Jews that had written a number of songs in Tin Pan Alley. And what's uh, Tin Pan Alley? Tin Pan Alley is a section of Midtown Manhattan, New York, where all of the music publishers of the time were set up. And they were set up this way so that way they would be an easy conduit to Broadway so that way musicals could be put on and you could pitch your songs that way. It's also close to all of the big department stores so you could get your sheet music that you printed out out into the hands of song pluggers who would then play the piano to promote the music that people would then buy as sheet music and play on their pianos at home. So it was a a conduit to uh, the proto-music industry in the early 1900s. So Irving Berlin was the original standards writer in the early 1900s. He is the son of uh, Russian immigrants and a, a Jewish cantor, which is a singer that sings the prayers and in Jewish synagogues. And he, his father passes away at age eight. So he's on the streets as a, a busker singing for his supper. He plugs into the Broadway theater scene. He learns the music business from one of the guys that owns one of the Broadway theaters, and he learns about music rights. Then he goes off and writes a hit song in Alexander's Ragtime Band and goes on tour as the king of ragtime through Britain and comes back this international star, writes some Broadway hits, and then decides to create his own music publishing company called Irving Berlin Incorporated and then collectivizes a union for Tin Pan Alley and starts the American Society of Composers, Authors, and Publishers, or ASCAP. Which in the radio business, you're either with BMI or ASCAP. This is how you get your money if, you're, if your music is played on radio, per se. Right. In 1940, he goes to L.A. to help produce his musicals. He's kind of bummed out that it's California, it's hot, he doesn't really know anyone. So in a hotel, he writes White Christmas about how the sun is shining, the grass is green, the orange and palm trees Way. There's never been such a day in Beverly Hills, L.A., but it's December 24th, and I'm longing to be up north. And then he sings a song about why Christmas, where he just wants it to be a cold, snowy day. Um, Bing Crosby performs this in on Christmas 1941 on his NBC radio hit show, and it becomes the world's best-selling single at 50 million copies for the Bing Crosby version. Other people cover it, sells another 50 million copies worldwide. This is the number one selling song of all time, um, and it's the first time a secular Christmas song was a hit written by a Jewish-American songwriter in Irving Berlin, and Billboard creates a separate section for Christmas music because White Christmas is dominating the charts so consistently. Top it all off, two other Jewish composers in L.A. ended up writing the song Let It Snow, Let It Snow, Let It Snow a few years later. That song was actually inspired by a heat wave that hit California in 1945. Oh, the fire is slowly dying, and my dear, we're still goodbye. But as long as you love me so, let it snow, 
Let it snow, let it snow. I've been speaking with Matt Jasper, who's worked in the music publishing side of the industry and is an occasional contributor to KEXP's Sound and Vision. We've been talking about Jewish composers who wrote some of the most popular Christmas songs of all time. More of these backstories can be found in the book The House That George Built. Matt Jasper, thanks for chatting today. Thanks a lot for having me. This is Sound and Vision. Now time for our listener question of the week. This week we asked you, what was a Christmas song that makes you feel nostalgic? or a song that reminds you of a specific memory. Here's what KEXP listeners had to say. My name is Marin Benedetti, and I live in Edmonds, Washington. And my favorite holiday song is Oh Holy Night. I grew up in the Catholic Church, went to Catholic school, like very Catholic. And for me, kind of as I was growing up, I moved away from that for a lot of reasons. One being that um, I suffered from a lot of depression growing up and have continued to uh, battle that throughout my adult life. And one year when I was home, I got dragged along to midnight mass. The priest that night gave a sermon about the carol, Oh Holy Night. I guess the the lyric, there's a, at the beginning, a lyric that says, Long lay the world in sin and error pining. And to me, I don't really think of that so much as sin and kind of a religious sense, but just kind of the darkness that humans can experience and that I have experienced periodically throughout my life. And the next lyric is, till he appeared and the soul felt its worth. The religious meaning of that phrase is obviously, you know, God sent his son to earth and knowing that he would give his life for mankind. But to me, it has a much kind of deeper meaning that each of us has an inherent worth that is immeasurable. And it's been kind of the thing that has gotten me through some very difficult times knowing that that every one of us has value just the way we are. Anyway, so this song for me has been the thing that kind of pulled me through a lot of dark times. And sometimes I just remember that line uh, and the soul felt its worth. And I just kind of repeat that to myself. Long lay the world in sin and error pining Till he appeared And the soul felt its worth A thrill of hope The weary world rejoices For yonder breaks A new and glorious morn My name is Valerie, and I live in Washington, D.C., and the song that I chose was uh, 364 Days by the Murder City Devils, and the reason that I chose this song, that I like it, is because I like the idea that it's very not a Christmassy song. It's kind of a sad song about 
this idea that Santa during Christmas time, he's everyone loves him and he's they're very excited. But the rest of the year, he's just kind of this lonely, sad guy who is at home by himself. Just kind of sad and sad and lonely. The first time I heard this song was uh, several years ago when I was in my 20s and I didn't go to see my family for Christmas. And it was the first and only time that I didn't see my family. And I, I was home by myself and I was just really sad and by myself. And uh, this song just really reminded me of that. My name is Tom. I live in Brooklyn, and my favorite holiday song is Happy Christmas War is Over by John Lennon. I first heard this song when I was nine years old. Uh, my parents had just gotten divorced, and I was completely in love with the Beatles, who themselves had broken up. Uh, the first lines of the song seem to sound as though John is shrugging, as if to say, so this is Christmas. And to me, it perfectly sums up the complicated feelings of the season. It's beautiful, but it's also a bit melancholy. Uh, and John seems to cut through all the schmaltz of the holiday, yet there's still these angelic voices of children and bells ringing. It's really a perfect Christmas song. I'm now a married grown-up, uh, but every time I hear the song every year, I, I stop and involuntarily hear that annual question, as though John is saying it to me himself. What have I done? Am I any better of a person? Am I any closer to being who I want to be? Have I helped? Have I hurt? And most importantly, will I have a chance to try one more year? Best of all, as John, Yoko, and the children point out, we really can have a better world for ourselves if we want it. So this is Christmas. And what have you done? Another year over. And you won't just be gone. Thanks to everyone for sharing your stories, and thanks to you for listening. Listeners mean the world to KEXP, to me and this podcast. We actually reached out to another listener, Ryan Cristelli, to answer the final question of the show. Why does music matter? Ryan was on the broadcast version of the show that you can listen to Saturdays from 7 till 9 a.m. Pacific at KEXP.org. It's also available for two weeks on the streaming archive at KEXP.org. Well, on Saturday, Ryan told us about how he's gathering the funds and resources to give 250 sleeping bags to the homeless in Oklahoma City this holiday season. Here was his answer as to why does music matter. I think music is our soundtrack. I think music is... Something that does, you know, it's it's good for debate. It's good for it's good for every situation. Um, you know, there's nothing like it that fuels you or brings you to the point of crying, of laughter, of of happiness. And and no matter where you are in your life, you have it, and it's there for you. And uh, for me, it's one of those things that drives me in this program. It drives me as a human being. And, and again. Uh, 
I, I like my soundtrack. You know, I like I like what what music does for a lot of us, and um, I like the different kinds. I like how it's celebrated, and it's a voice for a whole lot of people, and um, I'm obsessed with it. So I think it's important in a lot of different reasons. That was Sound and Vision. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review this podcast. You can also give a one-time $20 donation at kexp.org. Thanks for listening, and happy holidays.